0: Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Larry Stam continues showing us how to effectively share the gospel with our loved ones. Then, a little later, Greg Patton will be living in today's world. Our next conference is this coming Saturday in Upland, California. This special one-day conference will feature prophecy teacher Donald Perkins, Dr. Larry Spargemino, Micah Van Hus, Josh Davis, and Larry Stamm. Come join a full lineup of speakers as they bring clarity to the chaos with a full Saturday of insight and information. Space is still available, so register today by calling 1-800-652-1144 or simply visit the events page of our website, swrc.com and click on events. Now, here's part two of an important conversation on the ins and outs of effective personal evangelism between ministry president Dr. Kenneth Hill and teacher and author Larry Stamm. When we get to see
1: this TV series, We get to be excited along with you, and it is an excitement when we see people come to faith in Jesus Christ and grow in Christ. It's becoming an exciting time. We need to be concerned about the gospel itself, don't we, when we're teaching others? You call that watching the ball, I think.
2: It's the main thing, Kenneth. We have to keep the main thing the main thing. In 2023, we are inundated with a myriad of messages. We are literally assaulted, are we not, by hundreds if not thousands of messages every day. We need to cut through the clutter as Christians, and we need to understand the gospel message. And the better we understand it, the more effective we're going to be in articulating that message to others. In the book, I spend an entire chapter on the gospel In the teaching series, by the way, your listeners may want to know that the video series is 16 programs, and we've included all the material in the book. I've also included an added lesson on worldviews and understanding and evangelizing those involved in cults. So that's an added bonus to the video series. But the gospel really is the main thing. The core of the gospel is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, where the Apostle Paul Wrote, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And from there flows out the fuller understanding of what that means. That means that there's hope for humanity. That means that you know, sinners are separated from God because of their sin. That means that people need to turn from their sin and turn to the righteousness found in Jesus Christ and trust in him for forgiveness and abundant and eternal life. So there's a lot to the gospel message, Kenneth, that I lay out both in the book and in the DVD series. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing to be sure. Well,
1: thinking of that and wanting to make sure the main thing is the main thing helped me to understand why it seems that Jewish folks have a hard time understanding the truth of the gospel, and they seem to fall for most every kind of occult practice and cultic practices that are out there. When I have done my research and study over time, I find a lot of what we found even in various kinds of absolutely diabolical things have Jewish people involved, and
2: they're taken as if it were by surprise. Well, I can encourage you and your listeners to understand that more Jewish people have actually come to saving faith in Jesus Christ as Messiah, Lord, and Savior in the last 50 or so years than at any time in history because of the work of the Holy Spirit, because of the grace of God. But I can tell you historically, Kenneth, that there has been a lot of anti-Semitism under the name of Jesus, under the banner of Christianity, not done by true Christians, to be sure, not done by people who are actually following Jesus. There's been anti-Semitism under that banner, And so there's been a historical cynicism and skepticism about Christianity, but what's happening in recent decades is Jewish people are coming to engage the Jesus of the Bible who is the Messiah. Remember Jesus himself said, I've come to save the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So the gospel, first and foremost, if your listeners remember in Romans chapter 1, Paul wrote the gospel goes first to the Jewish people and then to the Gentiles. So be encouraged. People ask me, they say, why don't more Jewish people believe in Jesus? And my pat response, Kenneth, is why anybody doesn't believe in Jesus? Unbelief. But I want your listeners to be encouraged. More Jewish people are coming to faith than at any time in history, and it's an exciting thing. And more Arabs and Muslims, missiologists, are telling us have come to saving faith in Jesus in the last 15 years than in the last 15 centuries combined. So God is doing a mighty work among Mm -hmm. not only Jewish people but Arabs and many people. By the way, the fastest-growing Christian population in the world, Iran, amazingly. So God's doing a mighty work there, yes.
1: Well, God always has his work going forward. He does. And we sometimes lose sight of the fact because we're looking at the minute particle instead of on the larger scale.
2: Oftentimes, in our present day world where our news cycle is negative and people are pessimistic and cynical and skeptical, the good news is that Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Guess what, Kenneth? For you and me and our audience that's <laughs> listening, God is still on the throne. Prayer changes things. And, and he is building his church. So we need to filter out the negative and understand the truth of God's word and the reality that God's redemptive plan is going forth and that people are coming to faith in him. And it's a beautiful thing that he's building his church and no one or no thing can thwart the plans and purposes of our great God.
1: Amen. Tell me about the opposition.
2: Well, in the book, what I do and in the teaching series, I talk about the opposition, namely our own flesh, our weakness, the old man, and the devil and his minions who keep people, they keep Christians from sharing the faith and the enemy wants to keep unbelievers from hearing the gospel and receiving Christ. So I talk about the fact that as Christians, when we declare allegiance to heaven, we declare war on hell and hell fights back pretty hard, as we well know. I like to quip sometimes that as believers in Jesus Christ, we don't live on a playground, Kenneth. We, we live on a battlefield, And so I also talk about in the video teaching series that we have tools to combat the enemy, the enemy within, namely our flesh, the old man, and the enemy from without, namely the devil and his minions. I talk about the fact that we have prayer. Prayer is a powerful tool we have to combat the enemy. We have the Spirit of God who dwells within us. We have the gospel message itself which is very, very powerful. And finally, we have the word of God, which in Ephesians 6, the apostle Paul calls the sword of the spirit. So we have tools to be victorious. And by the way, God has called each of us, those of you who are listening, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, God has called you and I to walk in victory because the tomb is empty. So those are the things I I talk about regarding spiritual warfare. I talk about the opposition and how we combat that opposition in our witness. We're
1: talking with Larry Stamm. Larry Stamm of Larry Stamm Ministries has developed a new teaching tool, and it is serving in his court. It is a new television program. And you can have it on DVD. And you can use it in your witnessing and your working. You talk in the series about the game plan. You say it's an evangelistic lifestyle. Now, I've heard some people who tell me that I should invite folks who don't know the Lord to come eat dinner with me at my house, and that I should do A, B, or C, to make them friends of mine so I can have the opportunity to witness to them. In today's society, with the speed at which we live and all that, is that the way it needs to be done?
2: It's one of the ways it can be done. Evangelism can be done any number of ways. What I focus on in the book, and by the way, for your listeners, the television series is 16 programs, Each program is around 25 plus minutes or thereabouts. I start in the teaching and also in the book, in the video series and in the book, in the story of Jesus as a boy at Passover. And remember after Passover, Joseph and Mary leave town. Jesus is at the temple teaching, remember? And they come back and Mary, being the nice Jewish mother that she is, saying, "Jesus, we were so worried about you. Why, why did you do that?" You know, and he, Jesus, says these poignant words. Do you not know that I must be about what my father's business? What business is that, Kenneth? His business was all about people, and that's the point. God's redemptive plan is the redemption of human beings, and our business as ambassadors for Christ needs to be about people. And personal relationships really is the platform through which personal evangelism takes place. So as I mentioned, there's a lot of ways to do evangelism. We can do evangelism. We can witness on the way. We can do cyber evangelism. We're right now doing radio evangelism. We are telling people, if you're listening to my voice and you've not yet received Jesus, put your trust in him. I focus in the teaching series on personal evangelism, and that requires some relational sweat equity, if you will. So I encourage people to identify people in their unique spheres of influence, develop relationships with them for the purpose of being salt and light, so that one can demonstrate God's love and one can sow gospel, seek, and proclaim gospel truth to those people. And it can be done in a variety of ways, and I talk about it in the teaching series.
1: In the series Serving in His Court, we find not only the evangelical lifestyle being purported here and shown to us, but also you show us ways of playing the game, as you call it. Playing the game. What's the idea of the first serve?
2: What I do in the teaching series and I also do in the book is I talk about understanding the game, if you will, understanding the principles for evangelism, understanding the gospel, understanding the mechanics of the fact that we have an opposition and the tools we have to face that spiritual opposition, what a well-balanced witness looks like where we love people in Jesus' name and we proclaim the gospel, we sow gospel seed, if you will. In the second half of the teaching and in the video series and in the second half of the book, what I talk about is playing the game, if you will. I talk about what it means to actually go out and do the work. What does it physically look like? And I talk about what going looks like. Remember, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. I talk about what that looks like, practically speaking. One of the things I talk about before that starts is evangelism should start on our knees. We need to go to God On behalf of people, before we go to people on behalf of God, I talk about in one of the chapters and one of the teachings. I spend a whole teaching, Kenneth, on facing fear. Many Christians do not want to witness, they are fearful of witnessing because of rejection, because they feel they're inadequate, they won't know what to say, what to do. And I help them understand those fears and overcome those fears through the power of the Spirit by God's grace and by meditating and understanding the Word of God. I talk about developing intentional relationships as we've talked about for the purpose of sowing God's seeds. And then I talk about near the back end of the teaching series, Kenneth, I talk about brass tacks. How do we get into witnessing conversations? And I talk about the reality that questions are the key that open up conversational doors. And I talk about I spend a whole, a whole teaching on witnessing conversations, what they look like. I also spend a whole teaching, Kenneth, on how to answer objections and questions about the Christian life, because we need to be ready. Remember, always be ready to give an answer. So we need to be ready for questions like, all Christians are hypocrites. If, if there's a loving God, why is there evil and suffering in the world? We need to be able to answer basic questions like that. And then finally, what I do in the teaching is I teach people and instruct people what it looks like when someone comes to a place and they say, Larry, I do believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. How do I receive him as my Lord and Savior? I teach people what that looks like as well. So those are the basics of playing the game, if you will, or actually applying the principles in our daily lives.
1: Well, it sounds to me like you're on as an evangelistic machine all the time. When do you have time to do the various things necessary to prepare for evangelism?
2: I think evangelism at its core really is just an overflow of one's relationship with Jesus Christ. When we're really communing with the living God, he's going to give us a heart that breaks for the lost. He's going to make us aware of people and opportunities to to pray for people, to love people in Jesus name and to sow gospel seed. So it seems to me that being a witness for Jesus Christ, you know, we all may not have the gift quote-unquote, gift of evangelism, but we all have a mandate to be witnesses, to be ambassadors for Christ. So I think that being an active, intentional witness for Jesus really is an overflow from our relationship with him. If I'm communing with God, if I have a deep relationship with the Lord, then an overflow of that will be a desire also to share the good news that sets men and women free with the gospel.
1: Well, the gospel becomes the be-all and end-all then. It does. And so when we are making the main thing the main thing, that's putting the gospel at the forefront. It does. When we take a look at the game itself, what do you advise those that you're teaching to be concerned with?
2: I would encourage people to go to the Lord first. When I do evangelism equipping seminars, I encourage people. The goal of this is to encourage and instruct you, and then your responsibility is to go to the Lord and ask him what the next step or steps is in your journey as a witness for Jesus. I think that's the starting point, Kenneth, is for people to be prayerful and seek the Lord because our walk with Christ is a walk of faith and our walk is unique you and i are unique people everyone listening to my voice as you hear my voice over the airwaves of radio you have a unique relationship with jesus christ now god is the same yesterday today and forever but you and i are uniquely formed and god has a unique next step or steps for you in your witness so that's the starting point kenneth and I think it's a good point for us to close our discussion here on Serving in His Court Biblical Principles for Personal Evangelism from the Heart of a Coach.
1: Indeed. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Amen. My friend, you need to get your copy of the DVD series, Serving in His Courts, by Larry Stamm.
0: This week is the debut of the brand new Serving in His Court television program. You'll learn how to effectively share your faith with this complete series, 16 episodes on four DVDs. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. The complete Serving in His Court television series is available for you, your church, your Bible study group. Ask how you can receive free shipping when you call 1-800-652-1144. When you call and order the new television series Serving in His Court, be sure and subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine, full of insightful articles and analysis of current events in light of Scripture. Prophecy in the News magazine. Start your subscription today, 1-800-652-1144. Author and conference speaker Greg Patton comes now with another installment of Living in Today's World. I want to talk to you today about depression,
3: Christians, the United States of America, all together. America, let's talk about this. I've been thinking a lot about what's happening to this country. Now think about these things, my friend, because it's very important. What's going to happen to America? Or why is God angry at this country? What is truth? You shall know the truth, it'll set you free. A good reading today might be Second Timothy three one. In the end times and their coming. It will be terrible in those last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Tell me we're not there. Lovers of money and boastful people and proud and abusive and disobedient to their parents. My goodness. It's never been like this, has it? Ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good for sure. The Bible says the last days on earth are going to be filled with tragedy, and there's not much good news in the world right now, is there? Doomsday bearing down on America? Think about it. In the minds of many, sure, Others see the future as providing more fantastic opportunities. Things are wonderful, especially in the last two years. Opportunities at every hand. New inventions happening. Microchip technology. Levels of communication and efficiency that most never dreamed of. It's a great day in America, is it? While technological advances continue to impress us, there's also the ever-growing dark side of man. Read Jeremiah 17.9. Man's nature is being revealed in his misrule of the planet. Poverty, war, ethnic tensions continue to worsen. Even in the United States of America, the nation widely recognized as the most powerful and influential nation of the free world. It's currently experiencing difficulties, right? How many people are behind President Trump? How many people were behind President Obama? Who really is the leader? So what does the future hold? Will technology be used to bring about recovery, or will it be used by evil-minded men to bring about our demise? According to the Bible, what will happen to America? You know, the majority of people who settled in this country have a unique connection to the biblical patriarch Abraham and his descendants. You can read in Genesis 48, 13-16, explaining how Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson, was sold into slavery by his brothers, yet became a powerful ruler in Egypt. Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, received from their grandfather Jacob a special blessing, did they not, that had previously been passed down from Abraham? Prophecies in the Bible reveal that these two brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh, would rise to prominence. Today, the descendants of those two are largely the peoples of Great Britain and the United States, respectively. To understand what's going to happen to America, you have to study biblical prophecy directed toward Manasseh. The Bible prophesies that the descendants of this man would become a great nation, and that the descendants of his brother Ephraim would become a multitude of nations, Genesis 48:19. The United States and Britain and some of its former colonies, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, are the nation and a group of nations that best fit this biblical description. We have really been blessed here in America. As far as military prowess and physical blessings go, the Bible says that in the last days, the descendants of Joseph would be exceptionally blessed above all other nations, even their own brethren, and other nations that would rise from Abraham's descendants, Genesis 49. These prophecies have come to pass, just as God said. And the United States, it's unusual, summarizing the physical resources of this country, such as the American geography. It's an impressive one. The Great Mississippi Basin, together with intercoastal waterways, has more miles of navigable internal waterways than the rest of the world combined. The American Midwest is both overlaid by this waterway and is the world's largest contiguous piece of farmland. The U.S. Atlantic coast possesses more major ports than the rest of the Western Hemisphere combined. Two vast oceans insulated the United States from Asian and European powers. Deserts separate the United States from Mexico to the south. Lakes and forests separate the population in Canada from those in the United States. The United States has capital, food surplus, physical insulation in excess of every other country in the world by an exceedingly large margin. Sure it does. And people continue to wonder, why does God bless the United States despite all of our evil here? The U.S. is a powerful nation with abundant fertile land, a good climate, and laws that allow for creativity and investment in hard work and the ability to enjoy the fruits of one's labor. But in spite of the United States' blessings, my friend, poor decisions by leadership through the years have threatened the way of life of so many Americans, those that have come to enjoy this old world. Irresponsible increases in debt and entitlement programs that cannot possibly be sustained at current levels of taxation or problems passed on from one generation to the next. You take care of that. Most of those listening to this radio broadcast are Christian, are conservative in their ideas and philosophies, and one of the dangers of all of this stuff, especially politically, is getting your eyes off of God and onto a man. Remember, God is in charge. One of the questions on the minds of so many people, you're hearing it day in and day out on Christian Radio. Are we there? Is Jesus coming soon? What do you think? Solomon wrote, everything under the sun is meaningless, like chasing after the wind, Ecclesiastes 114. Do you ever feel like that's happening? Everything in your life is meaningless? You're chasing the wind? No wonder you can get depressed in the world today, and no wonder I asked the question as we started Can a Christian be depressed anymore? Anytime you wake up, (laughs) read something, watch the news, you go into a state of depression because there's so much confusion in the world today and in the United States. And who is the author of confusion? Yeah, I know that you're strong spiritually, but I'm telling you, my friend, anybody, anytime can get into a state of depression. Turn to the author and finisher of your faith. Most of our lives, hay, wood, and stubble, what really counts? The Bible says only those things done for Christ will last. Everything that we see is going to be the hay, wood, and stubble that's going to burn. And those precious jewels, the things that you do for Jesus. In just the last week, how many things have there been? Yeah, depression, it's real in more ways than one, but my friend, we have someone very special if you know Jesus Christ as Savior. He is not an answer, as most of us know. Oh, no. He is the absolute answer, period. Have you ever been saved? Good start today. Trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for whosoever, that's you, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why not do it today, my friend?
0: The brand new Serving in His Court television series is now available. Learn how to effectively share your faith with this complete series, 16 episodes on four DVDs. Order today, 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. The complete Serving in His Court television series is available for you, your church, and your Bible study group. Simply call 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, Steve Butler continues his teaching series, Why Explore Bible Prophecy. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.